Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, July 1st, 2018 for Palmdale United Methodist Church. May God use this as a blessing to you today. And now, Pastor Aaron Stenberg. Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever seen one of uh, those memes that breaks down the idea of people's perception of things, uh, such as this one? So for a children's pastor at the top, what my friends think I do, what my mom thinks I do, what society thinks I do, what my senior pastor thinks I do, what I think I do, and what I actually do. And so I, I picked this one this morning in honor of uh, Cynthia, who leads our children's ministries and has organized yet another wonderful vacation Bible school for our children uh, this past week. Uh, before I moved to Palmdale a year ago, I had lived my entire life in Orange County. Now, I realize as soon as I say that, some of you may be thinking something like this. Or something like this. Well, not to live into the stereotype or anything, but growing up, we did in fact have a boat. However, it looked a little something like this. We named it the Turritella, which is a medium-sized sea snail, which gives you a little bit of an idea of how quickly we were able to paddle. And I think I was taking this picture, um, to be perfectly honest, I can't tell you if that's me in the back or my sister, but we are getting ready to launch our little canoe onto this lake, which had trash and debris all around the sides, uh, so we would go out there and, and clean up um, some of the trash that we would encounter while we were canoeing. And we brought this canoe to lakes and to rivers all across the United States, loaded on top of our trusty van, and we got pretty good at hauling it everywhere we went. And you can see me in the back with the little pink hat. But even before we got our own canoe, it was one of our favorite pastimes and things to do on our travels. And uh, you can tell by my, it looks perfect paddling form there in the back. I make fun of my sister a little bit because it looks like she's scooping the water. Uh, but we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, time and memories with our canoe. Uh, but there is one memory that sticks out to me the very most. We had decided to uh, canoe from the back bay in Orange County to the ocean in, in one trip. So we would start at the very top at Newport Dunes, and you can kind of see it at the very top up there, and we would travel all the way down to Corona Del Mar Beach where they have a hidden cove. And my grandfather would steer from the very front, my father would steer in the very back, and my siblings and I would paddle for all we were worth from the middle. We made good time. It was a good experience. We traveled all the way down to the Hidden Cove, and all we needed to do was to come ashore. Now, I should mention that canoes are a little less stable 
than larger boats. I should also mention, even though it doesn't look it in this picture, the waves at the time were sizably bigger. Now, to land a canoe on waves in an ocean, you basically point the nose of the canoe towards the land, you aim for the beach, and you gung-ho it for all you are worth, and you ride the wave in. Unfortunately for us, my grandfather didn't know that. He attempted to turn with the wave, and over we went. My brothers, having been in a capsizing canoe before, jumped out of the boat and jumped overboard, but my sister and I flipped tail over tea kettle and found ourselves stuck underneath the canoe. So my father manages to grab the canoe and throw it off of us, and we make it safely, but very sandy, to shore. Welcome to our VBS sermon, Shipwrecked. This past week, the children, youth, and adult helpers were all shipwrecked. They ventured onto an uncharted island where they learned how Jesus rescues throughout the storms of life. Now, while we all might not have experienced what it's like to be shipwrecked, one of the church's greatest missionaries, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, was shipwrecked not just once, not twice, but three times. In speaking of his trials and tribulations in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Five times I have received from the Jew 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. Paul went through a lot. And we remember Paul, who started his illustrious career as a persecutor of the early church. And he was born around 10 AD, and Paul was both a Jew and a Roman citizen. While his given name was Saul, he would go on to use the Roman name Paul uh, throughout the letters of his that we find in the New Testament. And he was raised in a Greek city and spoke many languages. He was raised in Tarsus, and he was a tent maker, but was also an educated man, and he was zealous for the law and the traditions of his fathers. Paul was there at the stoning of Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church. But his life changed on the road to Damascus, where he encountered the risen Lord. And he experienced a life-changing event that would transform him into one of the prominent leaders of the first century church and the author of 13 of the letters that we find in the New Testament. Paul traveled around the world on three missionary journeys, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all he would meet. And when he returned to Jerusalem to tell of what he had experienced and all that was happening, he was arrested. And so Paul utilized his Roman citizenship, and he appealed his case to Caesar, as was his right. But to visit Caesar, he had to go on a perilous journey all the way to Rome. And so this morning we find ourselves in Acts 27. If you wish to follow along in the Red Pew Bibles, uh, Acts is in the New Testament, uh, and it is immediately following the Gospels. If you open your Pew Bible in half, and then go to the right side and open it in half again, you will find yourselves most likely in the Gospels and Acts right there. And you're also welcome to pull out your smartphone and, and follow along uh, as well. 
Acts 27, verse 1. When it was decided that we were to sail for Italy, they transferred Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Embarking on a ship of Adramantium that was about to sail along the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Try saying that five times fast. So you may notice that Paul is not narrating this passage here. We've got the use of we, this first-person point of view, shows that it was written by someone else who was with Paul and is telling of their experiences together. Now Luke, who was the writer of Luke and Acts, is thought to be Paul's traveling companion here. So we presumably have Luke and Paul and some other not-identified prisoners being taken to Rome by a centurion named Julius. Now, his name suggests, Julius, that, that he, was, uh, he received his freedom and he received his Roman citizenship under the reign of Julius Caesar, or maybe Augustus. And the use of just his simple name, Julius, indicates that he was probably an elderly gentleman, probably on equal status of citizenship as Paul, which might account for why he is so kind to Paul later in the voyage. So during this time, in 58 AD, there were no passenger boats, and so Julius most likely booked passage for himself and the soldiers and the prisoners on a privately owned boat that the government then paid for. Verse 3, the next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends to be cared for. Putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now, the word here, kindly, is an interesting word. It's, it's a Greek word, philanthropos, and it is a term that literally means love for one's fellow human beings. Paul was his prisoner, and yet Julius allowed him to go ashore to visit the Christians of the town. And we see in the word philanthropos, the word that we know as philanthropy. And most times we think of this as, as just uh, giving money to good causes or, or to charities or, and whatnot, but it's, it's more than that. It's the desire to promote the welfare of others. And so we can see on this map the travels that they went through. It was a really long journey, and I found it interesting. The Lee of Cyprus means under the shelter of Cyprus, which is interesting. It's that little island Uh, right on the far right side. And you would think under the shelter of Cyprus, they would be going underneath it. But instead, we see that they went above and north of it to protect themselves from the winds, because we are hearing that it is late in the sailing season and nearing winter. And so Paul tells them of the troubles that they are going to find if they set sail so late in the season, in the fall months. Verse 9. Since much time had been lost and sailing was now dangerous because even the fast had gone by, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Now, the fast refers to the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, the highest holy day of Israel. And so it places this voyage somewhere between September and October a dangerous time to travel, for there was no sailing at winter time. They weren't able to do that, and winter was coming. So did they turn back? 
Do they pull into a harbor for the cold months? Well, no. In verse 11, but the centurion paid more attention to the pilots and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Apparently, he trusted the sailors more so than his tent maker prisoner. And so a storm then came upon them. In the middle of the sea, the storm was so violent and lasted so long that they started to throw the cargo and the equipment overboard in order to lighten the boat. They went without food for weeks and began to be filled with despair. And I love this next part. Skipping down to verse 21, Luke tells us, Since they had then been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and thereby avoided this damage and loss. I love Paul. He had to get a little tiny bit of that, and I told you so in there. But he goes on to tell them to not to worry, that no life would be lost. Paul tells them, last night there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand before the emperor. And indeed, God has granted safety to all those who are traveling with you. So keep up your courage, men, and for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we will have to run aground on some island. And so to build up their strength, Paul encourages them to eat, for they haven't eaten in 14 days, and so he takes bread. And in front of all of the sailors, he gives thanks to God, and he breaks the bread and he begins to eat. And Luke tells us that all of the sailors were so encouraged that they took bread and they began to eat as well. And once they were done and full, they took the rest of their food, the wheat, and they threw it overboard. And in the morning, they found land, a place that they did not recognize, and they saw a beach to land the boat. Now, tradition has it, they landed uh, in Malta, and in a place that's now known as St. Paul's Bay. And so they dropped the anchors off of the boat to lighten the boat even more, and they made for the beach. But just like how it was with my family and our little red canoe, the landing did not go exactly to plan. The ship instead hit a reef on the way in. It became stuck, and the boat began to be torn apart. Verse 42. Now the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none might swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to make for the land. Now this might seem somewhat cruel of the soldiers. They have land in sight and they are planning now to kill the prisoners. But at that time they were responsible for those prisoners. If the prisoners they were responsible for escaped, their own lives would have been taken. But we read that Julius wanted to save Paul. And we don't know how he changed their minds, but in verse 44, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. 
Now, Paul's adventures didn't end there. He's about to have an exciting encounter with the native peoples of that land. There's a bit with a snake that's coming up. It's pretty exciting stuff and definitely worth going home and reading Acts chapter 27 and 28. It's an amazing story. And Paul went through quite a lot. Have you ever found yourself in the same boat, so to speak? What have been those situations in your life where things just haven't gone to plan? We all have them. We all have those times where we think we have everything under control and it starts to just break apart underneath us. Times where we have found ourselves shipwrecked. Paul's faith and Paul's conviction in God's protection and care allowed him to persevere and encourage all those around him during their desperate struggles. Now this week during VBS, the children were reminded time and time again that Jesus rescues. When we are lonely, when we are worried, when we struggle, when we feel powerless, Jesus rescues. Now that's not to say that because we believe in and follow Jesus, our lives will be perfect and bad things won't ever happen to us because we know that that's not true. Troubles will still find us as we go about our lives, but we know that God is there with us. God has equipped us to face whatever each day may bring. There is power in hope. There is power in faith, and there is undeniable power in love. Part of me believes that this story of Paul's journey and shipwreck is actually more about the centurion than Paul. In the midst of personal peril, Julius risked his life to save Paul and the other prisoners. It reminds me that God's love shines forth in unexpected places sometimes. May our eyes be open to see those moments of grace. And in the shipwrecks that we come across in our lives, may we always be willing to be instruments of God's love. 